Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Well, excited about this new series, In Those Days. We're going to be talking about the next four weeks, taking the Christmas story and breaking it down and learning what we can learn. You know, certainly, we all want to be in a story. And we all love stories. Don't you love stories? You know, and it's amazing how much some of the greatest stories of all human history really come right from the Bible. And it's amazing that even the stories and movies we enjoy have created somewhat of a pattern that come right straight from the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. But God is the original storyteller, and we keep telling his story over and over again about the human condition, our need for love, our need for companionship. You know, have you ever been mentioned in an article? We all want to be a part of a story, too, provided, of course, the article was good. I mean, it could be that you didn't want to be in that story. You know what I mean. But anyway, that is our heart condition. You know, we want to be a part of something. We want to be a part of what God is doing here on the earth. And you know what? You can be. You can be. You can insert yourself into God's story at any time. Truth is, you are a part of it. We are a part of his story. It just takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of asking God to show us what our part is. So over the next four weeks, folks, we're going to study as we move toward Christmas what we can learn. Certainly their story of the characters we're going to study and look at was not just given for the purposes of reverence only. We love to look at their faith. We look at their faithfulness. And we're going to find that there are character qualities that rise to the surface that most certainly give us the opportunity to jump right into the story and continue it. When we feel insignificant or that God has forgotten us, God is watching, amen? God is always watching. Sometimes the quietness and the simplicity of our lives is qualifying us. It's qualifying us for a great moment because we're available and we're ready to be used by God. So do not despise the day of small beginnings. Perhaps there is a time in your life that is coming, perhaps sooner than later, that God is preparing you, doing something amazing in the background. So we don't want to question God's plan. All things work for good, don't they? Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Romans 8? All things work for our good and for God's glory. God's got a mission. And we're going to find ourselves in this mission as we conclude in this, this journey. But today I want to begin in, a, you know, in the beginning of the story. And of course, we go all the way back to the book of Isaiah, but one of the things that we find in the story in Luke as it's provided, we find out about this wonderful miracle that takes place. And I want to begin looking in Luke chapter 1 and just read right from the scripture of verse 5 through 25. So you can follow along in your Bible, or I believe we'll put it up here for you. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. We've heard kind of part of this story before, haven't we? 
Once, we, uh, once when Zechariah's division of priests was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I'll interrupt this because you may wonder, why did they throw lots? Why didn't they all, were they, weren't they all chomping that to bit to be next? Well, <laughs> you find, if you study it historically, is that you may not come out. In other words, as you would go in and minister before the Lord, there was a, a possibility that you'd be struck down by the presence of God, either because you've gone in unclean or because... Who knows? And that's why they wore the little bells, the, 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 uh, the gold pomegranates on the bottom of their, their, uh, um, their robe. Because when those stopped jingling, they had a rope tied to them, by the way. And if they didn't come out, they could pull them out. It wasn't going to be anybody going in there after them, not after that happened. So they cast lots to see who was next. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So Zechariah is in there. He's, doing, he's, he's burning the incense. He's doing his duty to create the Shekinah glory of God through the incense. Then an angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, no kidding, and was gripped with fear. Well, as again, he probably thought, well, this is it. I'm done. I'm going to be one of those priests that dies and they have to pull out. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Yeah, he knew what was going on. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Interesting. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Many believe that Verse 17 there is the, the definition of what revival is, by the way. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Gabriel being one of the archangels. This is, this is a special message from God. And now, we will be, and now you will be silent because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in there so long in the temple. Of course, begin to wring their hands. Man, did Zechariah go down? Did he die in there? But when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. As you would expect her to, everybody wondering, how does an old woman get pregnant? What is going on? Of course, she was probably quite shocked herself, I'm sure. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
quite a powerful part of this story, isn't it? So we have these two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's look at some of the facts. Zechariah and Elizabeth were from the family line of Aaron, of course, priests, and both were. So selected, set aside to be able to bring forth something very remarkable, remarkable, something very powerful. They were righteous and blamelessly observing the Lord's commands. One of the things that you, you look at this story and what is such a converse of back and forth, we look at people who, in every sense of the word, we would look at humanly and say, well, they've been cast aside. They haven't kind of borne the fruit as far as having children. During that time, and of course, we, we still believe this, that the fruitfulness that comes from the marriage of, of a man and woman is children. That goes all the way back to the book of Genesis when God says, go forth, be fruitful, and to multiply. So among God's people, the thought that they couldn't have children would have caused everyone to wonder, what's wrong with them, right? What's wrong? What have you done? What, what, what is, what, why isn't the Lord's favor with you? And they would have walked in that kind. Elizabeth kind of gives us that indication, that feel that, yes, she walked in what? Shame, disgrace. Why would she do that? Other than the fact that she did not understand what it was that God was doing. And that is something important for us to catch. Not everything that God does can we see with our eyes initially. And not, and not all in your life. See, in, in, in human terms, we seem to think that God's blessing only comes in one way. And God's favor only is shown in one way. But it could be that God is doing certain things, setting up certain things in order to bring a greatness, a part of his story, his plan, in his way. They were blameless, righteous, but it's interesting that that wasn't enough to convince their own lives, their own souls, that perhaps they were something special to God. Zechariah, during his time to serve and to burn incense in the temple of the Lord, the angel of the Lord appears to him, Gabriel. So this is not some run-of-the-mill angel. This is an archangel. This is Gabriel, Gabriel himself, the one who does, who is over thousands upon maybe millions of angels to direct them into spiritual warfare. He has come specifically to speak, to communicate to him, Zechariah, you're a part of something very special. Your wife is going to have a child. And you're going to name him John. Now, there's so much more there that we can dig into. But I tell you what, what I want to do is focus on Zechariah. And what we find is he kind of blows it a little bit, doesn't he? He blows it a little bit. He's got Gabriel standing in front of him. He has an angel. He's in the temple of the Lord. He's burning incense. He's in the very place where he could expect to hear from God. And he does. And yet, he takes that step that often we do. Hmm, how can I be sure? And yet is blameless, his humanity, his, his struggle, his, the very thing that we often go to is what Zechariah goes through right, right at, this, at this very moment. It's not that he's questioning God. not that he's doubting. He's looking for a sign. And Jesus said that. He said, we, as human beings, we're always looking for a sign because it diminishes faith. It diminishes, diminishes trust. Once again, it comes back to this fact that now Zechariah is going to be, you know, not punished, but he's taught. He's taught. He's going to, be, he's going to, he's going to learn a, a valuable lesson that he will, of course, never, ever, ever forget. He's told that Elizabeth will have a child who will be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. 
And I love these words, but before I get to, to that, isn't it interesting? You know, we talk about birth, we talk about children, and it's amazing. You've heard me say this over and over again, but how precious the womb is, how it is a place of God's dwelling. We know this biblically. We know this over and over again, but yet here in our story, we find that even John is filled with the Holy Spirit while he's yet in his mother's womb. We should really think about that, shouldn't we? We should spend more time asking God and to praying over our children while they're in there, while they're being formed, while they're being knit together in their mother's womb, while their destiny, while their purpose is being played out, is being prepared. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? We should think about that. We should not so quickly dismiss that as a one-and-done type situation. No, no, no. He goes on to say, he will be a delight to you. Boy, wouldn't you love, moms, wouldn't you love to hear that about your child before he ever, she ever comes in the way? He's going to be a delight to you. <laughs> Sometimes they're not. But the thought of John being a delight, that, 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 that encouragement, that, that word from God to uh, Zechariah to be able to give to his wife, such an encouragement, such a powerful thing. But go, what he goes on to say is, is really the, the aspect of it that I think is more powerful. And that, of course, is that he's going to cause Israel to turn back to God in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, I want to insert this real quickly before I forget. And that is, you know, sometimes when we look at Bible stories like this, as I said, we think of in terms of a special, you know, dispensation, a special, you know, one and done type experience. But I don't believe that. I believe that every single human being that God has placed his hand on, because, you know, in the whole Christmas story, it says, you know, peace on earth, you know, and favor and blessing upon on, on, on God's people on whom his favor rests. And we don't know that. We don't know how, that play, how it's played out. We don't know who that's going to be. We don't know when it's going to be. But if you're a believer, if you've given yourself your life to Jesus Christ, you're one of those. You're one of those upon whom his favor rests. And you're in the story. You're a part of this. You're, what, you're, you're very much like John, and I are very much like John, carrying this word to be a blessing. To be a blessing. And to cause Israel, to cause God's people to turn back to him. Zechariah is made silent because he doubted the Lord's promise. We, we know that. He does not speak again until the baby is born. And he names him John, just as he'd been instructed to name him. And of course, all of this comes true. So, let's dig a little deeper. What can we learn from this? You know, we just finished the series about our hope in the future. And this is phase one of the fulfillment of God's promise. You know, God promised them, right? You're, I'm going to give you a hope in a future. But one of the things that we see is that it's, 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 it's very human for us to lose hope. It's very human for us to forget that we are in the story of God, to forget that we, or to think of ourselves as being insignificant or that we don't have a part. And see, I think that's so very important on many different fronts. And I'll tell you why. One, and I'm not just talking about us walking in this kind of encouragement, in this confidence. I'm not, even though that is absolutely important, we're going to get to that. But I think there is a weakness in us to not only think that we're not a part of the plan, but that we're being punished in some possible way, or that we've been cast aside or forgotten, or like Elizabeth, that we bear some kind of disgrace. 
See, God has a hope and a future for us. We know that. We've learned about that. We've walked about that, walked through that, but he has provided for it. And I think the ultimate way of God showing his love and favor for, to us is to invite us to be a part of his story. That's it. To invite. It's like you, being out there. You all remember going back to grade school when you're out there, at, whether it be gym class or out there in the playground during uh, uh, recess, they call it. You'd go out there. And what was the greatest experience out there was to be what? Invited to be a part of something. To be invited, to be on the team, to be chosen, to be a part, to be accepted, to be brought in. We all know this is such a visceral and deep need in every human being. You say, David, how do you know that? Oh, I know it, man. 12 different schools in 12 years. Can you imagine that starting over every year? Walking out onto that playground. Okay, how's this going to shake down? No one knows that better than I know it of what it's like to be included, to be invited, to be a part. We want it. We need it. And the good news is you've been invited. You've been invited to be a part of God's wonderful plan. You may not have this kind of experience, but I guarantee you've got one. And perhaps you've discovered it already, and you're on that journey. You've already born the baby. You've already born the vision of what it is that God wants to bring forth out of your life. But it's quite possible you're sitting here today, and you've yet to discover it. And you're still walking in a little measure of disgrace and shame. What is it that God has called me to do, Pastor David? I love hearing about the stories. I love hearing people's testimonies. I love reading the books. I love going on YouTube and hearing the stories, but what's my part in it? It's coming. It's coming. But perhaps we've got to learn this lesson of Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they represent all who are waiting on God, what? Patiently. Patiently maybe even struggling with whether God will ever fulfill his promise. And that's, I think that's what can happen. I think that's what can happen to each one of us, that we get in a situation where we believe it, but then we begin to, it begins to diminish because God is waiting, God is holding, God is holding, God, God is holding back, waiting for that right moment. And this is what we often do. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth did not do this because they were faithful. They're our testimony. They are our example, faithfully moving forward, even in the midst of their own personal struggle. They're saying, we're not going to bail out. We're going to show up. We're going to do our duty. We're going to present ourselves faithful. But what is the challenge? What, is, what can be for us is that we do bail out. We just say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be a part of this plan. I don't know what God's got for me, but it just seems to be disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But it's probably because of this, that we've grabbed a hold of the good, or maybe even the fair, and have, as a result, missed out on the great. Great comes along, and we've already left the station. We've already grabbed the first train that moved out of, the, out of the train station to move on to our life, to do something when God is saying, gosh, I had something a whole lot better for you. Why didn't you wait for me? Because it's coming. That's hard, isn't it? It's very hard. And it's individual. I can't tell you whether you're, you're still waiting or that maybe you have grabbed you know, a train. We'll, and we'll come back to how this can be somewhat fixed. 
But what we should learn is this lesson from Zechariah and Elizabeth, to wait, to be faithful. You know, faithfulness is going to be one of the qualities that we're going to see that take place in all of the people we're going to study. Faithfulness. But faithfulness to who? To God. Faithfulness to believe. I think that this little creeping in of, of Zechariah's doubt is a good, a good wake-up call for us. Because even though Zechariah did not forfeit the whole situation, because, I mean, it could have been like, well, you know, that's it. I'm moving on. I'm going to find me the next uh, priest who will come in and who will believe me. But because you doubted me, Zechariah, you're out. But he didn't, didn't he? Don't, I love this part of the story that the angel says, look, you know, you're going to experience some consequence here, as we often do. If we've jumped ship, if we've gone ahead and done something in our own strength, if we have moved on and grabbed a hold of the good and not wait for the great, sometimes we do come up speechless. Sometimes we do come up a little short of what God wants us to have. He's not punishing us, but there is a lesson to be learned. There is a lesson to be learned. Perhaps we find that we lose our message. We lose our voice Figuratively speaking. I hope you're following with what I'm saying. Because when you have defaulted to the easier path, when you have jumped on something that the world is talking about, it is the world's way of trying to do things their way, we often forfeit the opportunity to see something amazingly supernatural happen through us. Come on. Elizabeth, I don't know how old she is, but, you know, Zachariah is wide. He says, I am old, but she's well along in years. He didn't say that she's old, too. Good for you, Zachariah. Have you looked at her, man? She is old. He didn't do that. He said, she's well along in years. Likely, she is probably somewhat younger than Zachariah. It was very common for that time. But she's well along in years, clearly well past being able to have, have children. And so, I mean, this is a miracle, folks. This is not just a story of two people having a child. These are two people having an impossible child. An impossibility. So what do we learn from this? Folks, there are impossibilities in your life right now. We all have them. And even though this may not result in a child, if that's what your heart wish is, it may not be that it brings forth an actual physical baby. It's it, certainly not. But it could be that God wants to bring forth a vision, that God wants to bring forth a part of his plan. Who knows what it is that God has prepared for you? But if you're bailing out, if you're, if you're, you're settling on something else that is just not his plan, not his will, may feel good, may taste good, may look good, but it's not. It's not extraordinary. And that's what we're after here. We settle on the ordinary, but forfeit the extraordinary. That's what we learn from these guys. You're never too old or young to experience. It's another part of this story that's, that's unique. You know, we, we don't want to overburden that, that point, but it's a good one. That sometimes we feel like that we're well along in years. And perhaps we have not experienced that. But you know what? I have lived long enough to watch and be amazed that sometimes people can live all their lives for then the crescendo 
the pace de resistance, the thing that God has, has created all of your life to become, that, that it might actually happen later in your years, that it be something that you've pre been prepared for all this time for this one moment, this one climax, this one wow. Certainly we learn that from these folks. Never too old, never too young, because when it's God's plan, it will come forward. What God is looking for is faithfulness to his plan in our lives, that we're waiting patiently for it, and we don't forfeit, we don't bail out. Again, that we don't jump off the boat until it has arrived at God's destination. God does look at faithfulness with favor. He most certainly does. That means we don't give up doing the good that we know is right. God is watching, and what we do in secret, he will reward openly. That's good, isn't it? That a lot of times what we think we're doing is insignificant. We think it's too small in our own eyes. It's too small to be seen by God. You know, again, it, it tests our heart. It really does. Faithfulness is, is somewhat diminished in the face of us trying to do it in front of others. But faithfulness becomes something quite powerful when we're doing it just before God. When we're praying in secret, when we're serving with insignificance, when we're yielding our life in the midst of, of it not being on, you know, WRAL, when we're doing it without hoping for it to show up in a magazine or to be discovered by someone great, that we're the next, you know, voice or whatever. See, we clamor for that, but God says, no, when my time comes, it will be something awesome. It'll be something great, but it will be born out of often an insignificance of brokenness, because why? Because when John was born, there was only one person to give glory to. Only one. Isn't that, isn't that true? Everybody would look at Zachariah and Elizabeth and say, there's no way this could have happened without God having done it. That's powerful stuff. They receive a baby. It's a very much a privilege to be a part of not just a baby, but John represents a major thrust forward into the prophetic plan for the whole earth. Wow, two insignificant, forgotten people who just lovingly serving have now brought forth a vision to change the world, to prepare for Jesus Christ. You know the story of John? He's somewhat of a, if not a Nazarite in the way they describe it, no fermented drink, probably didn't cut his hair either. John, when he grew up to be an adult, probably was a very interesting looking character. They said he wore skins, that he looked like one of the prophets of old, wild-eyed, maybe a little dirty, eating locusts and honey. But what came out of his mouth were the pure, pure words of God. And he brought forth a time of revival preceding the coming of Jesus Christ. Of course, we'll learn about that later in our story. The fruit of their life is something quite remarkable. And that, I think, sometimes, again, we, we think in terms of just making an impact here and now. When God is looking for a legacy, did you know that? 
God is looking for a legacy. God is looking for us to make our mark in such a way because of the faithfulness, because of us being willing to do it in the insignificant thing, but yet what we do lasts for all of human history. We're reading about John and Elizabeth now, aren't we? Amazing. We clamor to be in the spirit, to be in the news. We clamor to be noticed, to hit that shot, to score that touchdown to do that amazing thing. But yet God, his ways of making a mark are so much different than ours. And we as God's people, we need to present ourselves such. We need to prepare ourselves for those extraordinary moments. This should be, as we come up to Christmas and come into the new year, as we go into this new year, we really need to reflect and say, okay, God, I want to reset I want to look at my life the way you look at my life. And that is, I want to leave a legacy, but I don't want to think of it in terms of the way the world thinks of it. Perhaps there is disappointment in your life. Perhaps you are looking at your life and saying, I don't see it. But you know what? The way I look at that is, man, that means you're even more qualified. To be honest with you, if you're one who is out there making huge news, if you're one that's out there drawing all the attention, it's very likely you're the one and done. No, there are many of us, we already know that in Scripture, that God loves using the insignificant things of the world. God loves to use that which is despised and rejected. God likes to use those of us who would just say, who, me? And God's, yes, you. That's what God loves to do. And so, again, we too receive our gift. So, I'll reiterate, what qualifies us for this gift? Whatever that gift might be, bringing forth a vision. And I think that's what it is. It's to bring forth God's vision, God's purpose and plan in whatever sphere of influence you find yourself in, or that perhaps there's a dream, there's a vision in your own heart, perhaps it's a, a dream that has died long ago, perhaps it is something that you know. In the case of Elizabeth, you know she always wanted to have a child, but yet she died to it. She died to it, as often we do. When we see something, we get excited. Perhaps it was a book that we read. Maybe it was a sermon that we heard. Maybe it was a song as we were driving down. Our hearts burned inside us, and we thought, I would really, I sense that this is what God wants to do with my life, that, that I need to really grow in my prayer life, that I need to jump on board with a small group, and I need to, or I need to go to Bible college, and I need to learn more about Scripture. I need to grow in leadership. I need to be a part of what God is doing. And you feel that burning in your heart. You know it's Him. But for one reason or another, it doesn't happen. It does not come forward. Maybe there was some resistance. Maybe somebody did something really stupid and tell you you weren't the one. Perhaps you ran out of resources of energy and uh, of mind and of focus. Maybe something else. Maybe the enemy did send a distraction and try to pull it away from you. Maybe you were just like Zachariah and doubted that that could ever be you. Well, the time is coming. What God wants to bring it back, that God will resurrect that dream, that vision. And I tell you what, I believe that we're in the time of our, in the history of Valley Community Church, 
that this is happening, that it's going to happen. It's going to happen among young and old. It's going to happen in our lives. This is that Kairos moment. I believe this. This is not just a sermon to talk about the Christmas story. This is a sermon to talk about where we are, where, what, where you are, and what God wants to do in your life, that we are pregnant with vision, and God wants to bring it forth. question is, who will carry it? Who will carry it, and who will bring it forth? My assumption is it's going to be all of us. Amen? He's not going to leave you out. No, no. So Zechariah kept showing up to serve in the temple, didn't he? And where does God speak? If we look at this story, where does God speak to him? In the temple. In what? The presence of God. We're not supposed to miss that. Because we go through our life and we have many things that happen. We've got our, we're, we're, the places where we eat and we drink and we hang out with family. We've got our homes. But I tell you what, in, the, in, the, in this grand scope of, of life and all that, I tell you what, where God is going to speak to you, to you the most is where the presence of God is. And of course, we know that can happen anywhere. It doesn't have to be a temple. It doesn't have to happen here. But it can happen anywhere. But the place I believe it's going to happen most is in the presence of God. So let me ask you that question. Do you know the presence of God? Are you aware of it? When you, are, you, do, are you sensitive to the presence of God? Do you know it? Do you feel it? Wait, could you look, can, you, can you look at your friend? Can you look at your neighbor or somebody you're sitting with and just kind of smile on and say, man, God's here. God is here right now. You know, I, and I want to, not to be to over push this point, but I, I do want to just take a moment to just say, folks, we put way too much in tradition and religion. And, and in, again, we forfeit the opportunity to be in that moment where God wants to speak to us. It's almost like a group full of children that are so full of excitement about the toys they have in the, in the classroom that they're so overwhelmed that they can't hear the teacher saying, hey, hey guys, I, I want to take you outside. Well, they're not listening. They're so focused on what they're doing, they cannot hear the teacher's voice. They cannot hear the master's voice. And here the Holy Spirit is speaking. The Bible tells us that he's always speaking. He's always wanting to speak to you and to me. But we fail to perceive it because we're so caught up in the details and minutiae of our own life. And God is saying, look, just stop. From time to time, stop and listen. What is it that he is saying? In the case of our story here, Gabriel has to show up in the presence of God because, humanly speaking, I'm sure Zechariah was never in any position to ever be listening until it was that moment where he had to be. <laughs> we don't need to wait for those moments. We don't have to wait for those moments. Not when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have way more than what Zechariah had. The opportunity to hear his voice anytime, anywhere, isn't that awesome? We need to cultivate it. We need to listen. We need to, to, to learn how to be perceptive to the voice of God. We need to listen. And Jesus said that. He says, my sheep hear my what? Voice. You know his voice. It's just like the, 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 the lamb, you know, the, the sheep in the field hear the master's voice. You know, they hear that tone. They hear that, 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 that recognize the voice and they come a running. That needs to be us. That when, when, when God whispers to us, just whisper, still small voice of the Holy Spirit, David, Kenny, ready to listen, Brian, 
I'm talking. I'm listening. I'm ready to hear you, and I've got something for you. I'm ready to adjust your path. It's, it, I'm ready to, to move you forward to the next phase of what I have for you. Are you ready? We need to be sensitive to that. Get to know it. Rely upon it. Value it. Do not despise it. Sometimes we do despise when people, and, and, and i lovingly going to just lovingly rebuke you right now. When, if you're one of those people that go around and say, yeah, man, heavenly minded, no earthly good. That you pick on people that talk about hearing from God. If you're one of those, God bless you. But it could be that the more you talk about that and despise it, the more your own ears will be blocked. You don't want to do that. There's several, scripture, there's several things in Scripture that, that rise to the surface as being, whoa, don't do, ever do that. And despising prophecy and the voice of God is one. Don't mess with that. God loves doing it. Don't mock anyone who listens. So, done with that. We need to be those who listen and cultivate that. Know the voice of God. Zechariah kept showing up in the temple to serve over and over again. And again, God had to interrupt, and even then he, he doubted it. But I guarantee you, he doubted it no more. Can you imagine having a little boy there who is the epitome of a prophet who's always speaking the word of God? Zechariah was going to, for the rest of his life, be exposed to the word of God. Hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Oh, by the way, God's got a word for you. John, I'll tell you what, can we do prophecy in the morning and maybe not at dinner? You know, just joking. God's people coming together in worship to get equipped to encourage one another and go. That is the moment. This, the, there, we shouldn't despise the gathering of the saints. Matter of fact, we make room for that. You know, people wonder, why do we do what we do as far as the music? Folks, I'm going to tell you plain and simple, what we're trying to do is prepare the atmosphere where we can hear from God. Because we know, I know, and I know biblically, that when you prepare your heart in the presence of God, you will hear him. In other words, you're getting out of yourself and walking in the spirit, developing your spirit. We just went through all of that, learning about spirit, soul, and body. You're developing your spirit, and the greatest place to do that is in worship because it requires faith to worship. It requires faith to understand what you're seeing, what you're looking at, what you're worshiping. I really want to challenge you over the next several weeks that when we do worship, that you take a moment to quietly reflect and say, God, I'm here. I'm ready to hear from you. What's the next step in my plan? What, how can I be a part of your story? Zechariah and Elizabeth live in some measure of obscurity, but to God, these are the ones he loves to bring forth. So I'll conclude with this. What is the reward of a faithful life dedicated to God? What is it? I know what it is. It's to bring forth, to birth something that has eternal significance. Now, that's somewhat general, isn't it? Because you know why? There are so many ways that God can do this. So many unique, powerful ways. It, it may not be a physical baby. It's not likely going to be a physical baby, but it's going to be a spiritual baby. It's going to be something that you bear, that you bring forth, you're going to love, and it's going to move through you, and it's going to have a lasting impact generationally. You should all, you, you should all yearn for that. You really should yearn for that. Because God has set eternity in your heart. It's in there. 
You know you're an eternal being. You're going to live forever, ever. In Christ, you'll live with him forever. You'll also be, have, have an impact of whatever you've done here on the earth. We need to think in those terms, folks. We really do. Because then we're going to extract every ounce of living that he has for us here. When you fall into the mundane and the obscure and the insignificant, you know, I have to tell you, life is not so much fun. It isn't. I think we all know that because we've all been there. It's not too much fun. But the moment you're in the story, the moment, you know, I, I've, I've, well, I won't say that. I was going to talk about people who write books and flipping through it. Hey, did I show up in that story? <laughs> what is the reward of a faithful life? Internal, eternal impact. This is so much of what is missing in today's Christianity, folks. A willingness to dwell in obscurity so that God may be glorified through all that we do and all that we create. John the Baptist becomes the great, uh, becomes great as Jesus testifies. Isn't that amazing that Jesus says that about John, one of the greatest men? And yet, once again, John doesn't live a full life, does he? His life is taken. We can live 80, 90, even 100 years and never make the kind of impact that we've been created to do. And yet we can live only a few years. In the case of Jesus, 33. In the case of John, somewhere in that line, maybe a little younger than that. They were cousins, you know. That's our journey. That's part of what God has called to. Where does it begin? Faithfulness. Faithfulness to wherever God has placed you right now. Folks, we can get there. We can make that choice this morning. Simply through prayer, offering ourselves, stepping out, and taking that next step. Amen? Let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's Podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.